Made in Hollywood, censored by Beijing, how is the Pentagon striking a tone of defiance? Is Barbie made in China? A look at that question and why the movie won't make it to Vietnamese screens. A former Chinese official warns that Beijing's latest export controls could be just the beginning. An unprecedented race with scarce rewards facing China's youth, the phenomenon now reaching higher levels within the Communist Party. Is decoupling from China foolish? The CIA director now pledging to de-risk U.S.-China ties. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. A warning for all filmmakers straight from the U.S. Defense Department. The message, don't kowtow to China if you want the Pentagon's help. It's part of the department's updated rules for working with movie studios last week. The new document states the DOD will no longer collaborate with directors that comply or plan to comply with Beijing's censorship demands just to get their movie distributed there. Senator Ted Cruz has been a major critic of Beijing's censorship of films. We've seen this pattern over and over and over again, Hollywood being complicit in China's censorship and propaganda in the name of bigger profits. Bohemian Rhapsody. We need to stand together to stop it. The issue of Beijing censorship came to a head with last year's release of Top Gun Maverick. In the film's trailers, Taiwan and Japan's flags had been removed from Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell's flight jacket. What does it say to the world when Maverick is scared of the Chinese communists? Though the flags were restored after criticism in the U.S. Another movie, Minions, The Rise of Gru, even had an alternative ending in China. In that ending, supervillain Gru leaves life of crime, a message in line with the Chinese Communist Party's social policies. They know China is going to have problems with and possibly blackball not only the studio, but all the individuals involved with the film to begin with. But Chris Fenton, former motion picture group president of DMG Entertainment, notes now the risk-reward model no longer pays off for Hollywood. Now we're noticing that some of these edits just to get a movie into China are basically just for China, which is a positive. I'm not feeling like Hollywood is necessarily censoring itself um, after a movie is made in order to please Chinese censors for the worldwide cut of the movies. It's being done just for the domestic cut. The Pentagon and Hollywood have always had a good relationship. Movie makers can shoot their projects on military bases, Navy ships, and benefit from the Pentagon's authentic settings and technical expertise. But since the CCP developed censorship and surveillance tools, many Hollywood studios have tried to comply with Beijing's demands. The Chinese Communist Party invests billions into spreading propaganda, even using American media outlets so that they broadcast propaganda into America to coercing Hollywood studios and sports leagues to self-censor by threatening to cut off access to one of the world's largest markets. Cruz's office told reporters, quote, China wants to control what Americans see, hear, and ultimately think. Cruz says with the Pentagon's new guidance, studio executives could hopefully choose Washington over the Communist Party and, quote, reject China's blackmailing. Just how effective are Beijing's censors at influencing Hollywood? A new blockbuster is becoming the latest example and raising the question, is Barbie made in China? Senator Ted Cruz is taking aim at Warner Bros' highly anticipated film Barbie. That's amid a ban of the movie in Vietnamese cinemas. Why? Let's take a look. Hi, Ken. 
Warner Brothers' highly anticipated Barbie movie has been banned in Vietnam. Why? The film shows a map in one scene with borders that are a highly debated issue of national security and sovereignty. The borders of the South China Sea. Borders that are hotly contested by China, Vietnam, and other countries in the region, including U.S. allies. That's according to Vietnamese state media. The Barbie map shows borders which China uses to illustrate its claims over vast areas of the sea, including parts of what Vietnam considers its continental shelf. Vietnam has also awarded oil concessions there and has repeatedly accused Chinese vessels of violating its sovereignty. Disputes between militaries often happen in the area, such as this incident in February where the Philippine military accused China's Coast Guard of using a laser to try and disrupt a Navy mission there. It's also the scene of a steady military buildup, such as the Spratly Islands, where China's built islands with runways and missiles on reefs. The Vietnamese government previously blocked the DreamWorks cartoon Abominable in 2019 and Sony's action movie Uncharted last year for the same issue with maps. Warner Brothers did not respond to a request for comment. The so-called Nine Dash Line depicts most of the South China Sea as part of Chinese territory. Countries in the region, including Vietnam, the Philippines, Malaysia and Taiwan, contest Beijing's claim. An international court in 2016 also ruled that China's claims in the region are invalid. With the dust barely settled after Independence Day celebrations, the U.S. may be facing escalation from a different kind of war. A Beijing insider says the West should expect even higher trade controls. Here's a comment from former Vice Commerce Minister Wei Jianguo, who spoke to the China Daily newspaper on Wednesday. If restrictions targeting China's high technology sector continue, then countermeasures will escalate. He described the controls as a well-thought-out heavy punch and just a start. Beijing's expert control targets two key materials, germanium and gallium. The first is used in high-speed computer chips, plastics, and even military applications, like night vision devices and satellite imagery sensors. While gallium is used in radar and radio communication devices, satellites, and LEDs. Buying them will now require export permits. The move has sent companies scrambling to secure supplies and bumped up prices. It's China's second recent countermeasure following its decision to ban key domestic industries from purchasing from U.S. memory chipmaker Micron in May. Analysts say it's a message to the White House, pushed on the eve of July 4th. That's as the Biden administration has been targeting China's chip sector and pushing allies like Japan and the Netherlands to do the same. Other efforts could limit China's access to cloud computing. Over in Europe, nations are reacting. The Dutch government saying Tuesday that the EU must respond to Beijing's new rule, noting that the extent of the impact on the Netherlands and Europe will depend on how China carries it out. The same day, Germany stated that Europe must become more self-reliant in its hunt for raw materials. But like the insider's comment, some are calling Beijing's decision a warning shot. Analysts say restrictions on rare earth exports could follow. China is the globe's biggest producer of the metals, which are needed for electric vehicles and military gear. 
Others hint that Beijing could target graphite, also critical for EV batteries. Both could deal heavy blows to automakers. A top U.S. intelligence officer is drawing parallels between last month's mutiny in Russia and Moscow's invasion of Ukraine. He says the incident shows the war is a strategic failure. It not only brought harm to the Russian economy, but changed the country's relationship with China. The officer also spoke economic relations between the U.S. and China. Let's take a look. At a U.K. press conference Saturday, director of the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency, William Burns, said Russia exposed its military weakness, something he said will damage the Russian economy for years to come. He also noted that Putin's mistakes led Russia to become a junior partner and economic colony of China. Russia's aggression poses a formidable test, but China is the only country with both the intent to reshape the international order and increasingly the economic, diplomatic, military and technological power to do so. Burns called China a cartel of one for critical minerals and technologies, adding that China demonstrated the will and capacity to weaponize other countries' dependence. As for how to handle it, here's his answer. The answer to that is not to decouple from an economy like China's, which would be foolish, but to sensibly de-risk and diversify by securing resilient supply chains, protecting our technological edge, and investing in industrial capacity. Burns went to Beijing in May to meet with his Chinese counterparts. The trip was held in secret until media reported on it in June. A live fire exercise in southern Taiwan continues. Soldiers are training to fire Stinger missiles and operate the Avenger air defense missile system. Artillery trainees were seen shooting down aerial targets during the drill. The exercise was held at a strategic location for monitoring Chinese military activity. It's also a potential landing site in the event of an invasion. A defense ministry spokesman said eight Chinese aircraft crossed the median line of the Taiwan Strait Tuesday. The median line is known as the unofficial barrier between the two sides. Beijing has long claimed Taiwan as its own territory, despite never having ruled the island. China routinely sends military aircraft close to Taiwan. Fierce competition and scarce rewards, and China's youth are struggling to keep up. The trend has a new name, involution. Analysts say the phenomenon is becoming a systemic one, trapping not only the average Joe, but also those higher up within the Communist Party system. Among China's millennials, the rat race has reached an unprecedented level. A record-breaking 10 million graduates are flooding the job market, and youth unemployment just hit an all-time high. Some young job seekers say they're on the verge of collapse. I went through almost 50 interviews after graduation. Some were just internships. The employers wouldn't pay anything. I graduated from college in June 2022. From last June to this April, I didn't get one single job offer. Phrases like involution have become shorthand for a sense of burnout and despair. Critics blame Beijing's college admissions policy. After three years of pandemic control and souring relations with the West, China is seeing a weak manufacturing sector and a loss of trade orders. Limited resources have driven people into long hours of labor-intensive but low-paying work. One of the so-called involuted generation says physical exhaustion keeps people from thinking back or fighting back. As a result, they accept difficulties as part of their fate, a sign of learned helplessness. 
A former college instructor says the situation even drove universities to fake their data related to students' job placements because of the hiring rate plunge. Others say the involution problem is even more severe among state workers. For example, the regime is forcing police officers into early retirement, and in some places, state grid personnel are getting fired. Next, we move to China-Japan relations. Despite semiconductor disputes, Beijing is looking to improve its ties with Japan, aiming for more business cooperation between them. On Tuesday, a Japanese business delegation visited Beijing to meet with senior Chinese officials. That's after seeing weakened Japanese exports to China. China is Japan's largest trade partner, but those numbers have been on the decline for five months in a row. To combat that, Chinese Premier Li Qiang praised the delegation's efforts in promoting cross-border business. According to a Japanese news agency, the Premier offered his support for expanding Japan's investments in China. At the same time, the delegation's leader voiced concerns, mainly that China's revised anti-espionage law could dampen business development. The law has already seen multiple Japanese employees detained in China, allegedly for engaging in spying activities. Despite that, the premier responded in an optimistic tone, again encouraging the nation to expand its business in China. The meeting came soon after Tokyo's most recent regulations, which restrict exports to China of 23 advanced semiconductor-making machines. The new curbs will reportedly take effect in late July amid Beijing's opposition. Other big stories to look out for, a troubled new power plant leaving a Middle East country on the hook for billions of dollars in debt to China. Eight overseas Hong Kong activists pursued for life. A look at where they stand and their wanted status. A new director general set to run the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization. But a lone Chinese candidate reportedly instrumentalized the organization to serve Beijing's interests. And death and injuries reported amid forced demolitions in China. We speak to the victimized family for details. Those reports and more coming up tomorrow on China in Focus. But today, here's what's coming up. In the face of a more authoritarian China, what's the one rule the West should uphold? From policymakers, the general public, to academics, to people in business, need to be aware this is not just, you know, authoritarian CCP, China under the authoritarian CCP. It's Xi Jinping's version. The Chinese Communist Party's influence in Western universities, alongside fears of fading transparency. What challenges does it present for Western companies, policymakers, and academics? NTD's British thought leaders host Lee Hall sat down with Sam Dunning, a former investigative journalist who runs the charity UK China Transparency for details. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. How is the Chinese Communist Party asserting its influence in Western universities? And are Confucius Institutes and Chinese tech companies to blame? Plus, why is China's lack of transparency posting difficulties for Western firms and policymakers? NTD's British thought leaders host Lee Hall sat down with Sam Dunning, a former investigative journalist who runs the charity UK China Transparency, for more. Sam Dunning, thank you for joining us on British Thought Leaders. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You recently started a charity called UK China Transparency. 
I wonder if you could talk to us a bit about what the charity's mission is and how it will achieve this. I think promoting transparency is going to be really valuable, actually, uh, moving forward in the future, because we know that these authoritarian states, they're not fundamentally transparent. You know, you don't have freedom of information laws in China. You can't ask the government for information about, you know, whatever, really. It's a much more closed-off society. So do you, are you seeing a big difference since Xi Jinping came into power from the regimes before? Yes, and I think um, people from policymakers to the general public to academics to people in business, I mean, this is a very current topic of conversation in business, need to be aware this is not just, you know, authoritarian CCP, China under the authoritarian CCP. It's Xi Jinping's version. And what's been very clear uh, as the last sort of decade or so have, has gone on since Xi Jinping came into power, is that this guy is pretty harsh. Uh, you know, he is conducting ethnic cleansing in Tibet and Xinjiang, some would say Mongolia too. Um, he's made clear that intent uh, to absorb Taiwan one way or another, and this pretense that it could be peaceful, you know, when the Taiwanese people aren't that keen on the idea. It's, it's an obvious threat of military action. Uh, he's turning China into a black box, you know. Uh, I have used at various points uh, in my career uh, resources like uh, China's courts, court decisions database, uh, where you used to be able to see decisions from courts about all kinds of commercial things, whatever, from all around China. Gone. You can't get that now if you're here in the UK or outside of China. Um, patents database. They used to have a patents database. Gone. Procurement data, gone. Uh, they're raiding uh, Western due diligence companies who support, actually, the rule of law internationally. You know, so when there's a big um, you know, commercial case between a Chinese company and a company from another country, um, each side is going to gather intel and information. And the truth, try and gather the facts so that they can make their argument. Mm. Um, if China is as it is, you know, raiding the offices of the, of the companies that do that intel gathering, um, law firms, so on and so forth. You know, this is an attack on the international rule of law. Um, so there's all these respects in which, in which Xi Jinping is closing off China, closing it off from the world. Um, yeah, I would say he's a serious, nasty dictator. Um, and it's, it's uh, you know, China under him today is, is a world away from the China of 20 years ago, um, which was no easy place to be a Falun Gong practitioner or a Uyghur Muslim anyway. You know, it's just got harsher, more repressive, I would say more racist, I would say more sexist, uh, I would say more expansionist, I would say more fascist. I think we have to actually be honest here about what we're seeing. We recently had Matt Ridley on the show and he was talking about transparency and the difficulties he had in uh, investigating the origins of COVID. I think China obviously not really well known for their transparency. Why is it important to focus on this? Uh, I think it's important because we are dealing with an authoritarian society that is not about democracy, power to the people, information to the people, so on. It's about the aims of the regime. The CCP's aim is to stay in power and to make itself more powerful. And, you know, responding to requests for information, be it from international partners, other countries, the World Health Organization, whoever, it's not on their priority list out of principle. Uh, it's simply not. They want to stay in power. They want power. So in our interactions with this country, with the regime and with bodies, institutions from China, all of which are a subject to the authority of the CCP, 
we need to really uphold our own standards because we often see, I mean, we see this in uh, you know, financing deals in African countries, in deals with British universities, you know, across the board in terms of China, its institutions, companies, and its government's interactions with the rest of the world. There can be this insistence on opacity, this desire to do things behind closed doors. And actually, democracies such as the UK, and we're, our charity is focused on the UK, should be upholding for the good of our citizens, our normal standards of transparency in our dealings uh, uh, with the CCP and the country that it controls. I was reading about Huawei donating tens of millions to British universities. This is a, a Chinese state-owned technology company, again, giving large amounts of money to our, our British institutions. And should we be worried about this? We, we should have more public information about Huawei's imprint in the UK. You can put it that way, right? Um, this is a company who uh, in the past have been uh, implicated in providing surveillance technology. Uh, you know, if you are providing the electronics, the software, the cameras or whatever towards a 1984 style state that has control over more than a billion people, I'm, I'm afraid there are some ethical issues that we need to talk about, right? And if British universities, again, with their highfalutin uh, moral uh, ideals are helping this company, well, they need to think about that. They need to think about whether that's in line with, with, with the values they support. Um, yes, yeah, so Huawei is, is one of those companies, but there are, there are others. I mean, take Chinese arms manufacturers uh, as another example. They have an imprint in the UK, uh, be it relationships with British businesses who might be their suppliers or universities who are helping them with research and development. Um, under Xi Jinping, China's made very clear that uh, Taiwan shouldn't exist and potentially needs to be conquered. And that's basically what they're saying. Uh, do we want to supply a military that is an avowed intent to invade uh, a democracy, to kill tens of thousands, potentially more of innocent people who are living freely? Um, do we want to help the CCP prepare for that? Again, I'm afraid universities have to actually ask themselves this question seriously. You see various things in the news about companies like Dahua and Higvision and they're providing mm. these surveillance equipment. They're getting put into government buildings here and institutional buildings. It feels risky that the Chinese Communist Party influenced technology is in our most important buildings. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, we need to learn more about this. Um, I know as well that, that um, one very important area is cellular modules. So this is, you know, tiny chips and bits of hardware that end up in all kinds of things these days. You know, everything from your um, washing machine to huge uh, pieces of equipment in factories. No, to the Internet of Things. Exactly, the yeah. Internet of Things, right? Um, I want to just return to this idea of, of the 1984 state that we're buying so much electronics from. You know, I think we really need to have an informed conversation about whether that's wise in the long term to support the high-tech industries of China, this state that's, that facially recognizes all its citizens, you know, locks up minorities, uh, and so on and so forth. Whether we really want to make them the, uh, the high-technology power of the future, help them doing that by buying their products sending over our data to them, uh, supporting their research and development. You know, it's, it's potentially quite a senseless thing to do and very short-termist. Um, so absolutely, we need an informed conversation and we at UK China Transparency are there to publish information, you know. 
we will do research and, and um, try and interpret data, but we're also just putting all our data online so that anyone, um, journalists, academics, policymakers, can have a more informed view on these things. So I'm telling, thank you for joining us. I'm pretty sure leaders. Cheers. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.